James laughs, which is wonderful. He does this automatic thing where he lowers his head and covers his mouth with his hand, like he's embarrassed. He is embarrassed. There's a scar at the left edge of his upper lip, the result of a dog biting him when he was a kid, way before we met. Whenever he laughs or smiles wide, his lip tugs up a little bit, like it's being sewn with a needle. It's hardly anything, but to James, it's conspicuous. Sometimes I think that there's so much sameness in the desert. The bunkhouses are the same peanut shell color as the dirt. The dirt is the same color as the mountains. Most days, the sky is striking in its clear blue, but there are few birds that fly through it, and the ones that do are black. Our long days are reiterations of the long days that came before. It's tough to tell young from old or man from woman because the desert has a way of erasing the things that make us each unique. Flying grit scrapes away at our faces. The wind tries to knock us flat, and the sun tries to bleach us, dry us out, and turn us into dust. All the wind and dirt, it doesn't scrape away at James. It polishes him to a shine. He's alive out here. He stands taller. His eyes shine brighter. I lean forward, as if to dive into those eyes. He leans forward, pretending to examine the nicks on my koa blade. We've done a version of this thousands of times, hovering whisper close to each other, but each time the feeling is new and thrilling, like snatching something from a store shelf or trying to outrun the rain. Another whistle blows, this one just near my right ear and most certainly not from a train, and James and I fly apart just as one of the foremen jerks his chestnut-brown mare to a stop alongside us. James Holt, the foreman barks. You think you and your cousin get paid to stand here and admire the weather? James snorts. What's biting you, Angus? New horse causing you trouble? It is a new horse. A sorrel I've never seen before. She's twitchy, obviously uneasy. She tosses her head, her nostrils flaring as she sniffs the sulfur-tinted air. She shuffles forward, then back. Angus responds by gripping the reins and pulling hard. The horse squeals as the bit pulls against her gums. You're too rough with her, I say. Too rough? Angus yanks again. The horse squeals, then stills long enough for the foreman to lean down and level his eyes with mine. You haven't seen how rough I can get with the girls who piss me off. He grins, revealing a jagged row of gray teeth. Now get moving. I end up working alongside a wisp of a man who showed up at camp a couple of days ago with a little kid who coughs a lot and is probably consumptive. The boy may be his son, but I doubt it. The kid has his arm in a splint made of burlap and wood. Because of that, he can't cut crops or work mess, so he sits on the ground between the rows of maguey attempting to make small houses out of the discarded spines, which is nearly impossible because the wind that's come in strong over the course of the morning keeps knocking them down. He reminds me of my sister, Lane. This is exactly something she would have done at that age create castles out of trash, and never get discouraged when something comes around and knocks them down.
there was no such thing as a lost cause to that girl. For the last hour, the man has been carrying on a mostly one-sided conversation with me through the dusty red bandana that covers his nose and mouth. His voice is muffled, but I've gathered that he's from California, where there are still grapes. Have you ever eaten a grape? He asks. The man goes on to tell me that he wants to leave the McGay fields and go out east and into some other line of work. He says he's pretty good with numbers and could be a bookkeeper. He tells me he's got a bad leg, points to a visibly swollen knee, and says he won't be able to continue to do physical labor for much longer. Where were you before here? I ask. Ojai? The man shakes his head. The real marvelous. It's a ranch in Texas, just outside Valentine.